Ernest, what's up? Look, I want to put you on to something that's been making waves in the personal finance world. If you've been relying on Mint to manage your finances, I got some news that might startle you at first. Mint is no more. But hold on, because every cloud has its silver lining. And in this case, that lining is Monarch Money. For those of us searching for a robust, user-friendly alternative, Monarch Money is stepping up to the plate. And from personal experience, it's hitting a home run. Let's get personal for a moment. Managing finances can be a maze of confusion, stress, and time consumption. Believe me, I've been there, jumping from one finance app to another, hoping to find that one platform that simplifies everything. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design transformed my approach to managing finances. What truly sets Monarch apart for me, though, is its collaboration feature. With money being a top Discord trigger for many couples, the ability to seamlessly manage finances with my wife has been a game changer. No extra costs, just shared goals and clarity. But Monarch isn't just about managing your current finances, it's about building your future. Saving for that dream house, your wedding, or a once in a lifetime vacation becomes not just a possibility, but a reality with Monarch's intuitive tools. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal held it as the best app for savings growth. Monarch Money represents the next evolution in personal finance apps. It's an ad-free haven where your experience is the priority, constantly refined based on real user feedback. It's everything we've been asking for, intuitive, powerful, and relentlessly focused on user satisfaction. Now, for a bit more practicality, Monarch makes transitioning from Mint a breeze ensuring you can bring all your tags and categories with you. It's intuitive design, customization options, and commitment to privacy and an ad-free experience make it stand out in the sea of competitors. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day -day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional costs. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EarnYourLeisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash earn your leisure don't wait don't hesitate head over there now earners what's up look i want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing earn your leisure 
It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click, absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long-term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. Earners, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over here and start using it now. 
Africa is one of the few, it's a continent broken up, but it's really, a, we look at it as a country, us as African-Americans. Like I think of Africa, I don't think of it as countries. I think of it as a bunch of states, but it should be a country. We're going to talk about group economics. Imagine if Africa had one currency, but just understanding that, you know, the complexities of Africa, even Nigeria, 270 million people, the oil comes from there. You know, I had a great understanding of Nigeria when I went. 2019, the oil that comes from Africa, but they have no refineries. They export their oil and then they buy back gas because they don't have refineries. They can build the infrastructure with their wealth. That let me know everything I needed to know in terms of, oh, I know exactly what's going on. Oh, there we go. Yep, yep. Yes, yes. You yes. guys chose the music? I didn't actually. <laughs> so, first and foremost, we want to thank. Warden, for having us. This is uh, something that we definitely don't take lightly. You know, it's been a tremendous journey for us. And this is another milestone that we get to, you know, check off the bucket list. So this is going to be fun. And to do it with these guys, we've been talking for the last hour. So this is going to be a definitely fun conversation for sure. Um, but before we want to start, I just wanted to say thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Um, so let's let's get into it. You guys want to say anything before we start? Uh, I mean, you, I'm just in the presence of greatness. So. Um. Yes. No. No. Thank you all. That's all. Just thank y'all for allowing us to be here. We want to have a great conversation. Hopefully, you take something from this. But uh, most importantly, um, I know we say this a lot, and it sounds cliche. Like we let's all connect. Let's find a way for us to build. Um. You know, I have a lot going on, and there will all oh, this being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you noticed. There, there are some, there there are some job openings. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Without saying I'm gonna fire people. <laughs> yeah, clapping up for job openings. It's like Oprah. You're the new Oprah. <laughs> you got a job. You got, you got a, job. a job. You got a job. The you whole world. I love that. Shout out to the cadets. They got a job. <laughs> for sure, it's a lot of cadets in here. I didn't know where I was at. <laughs> Getting ready for war. Um. Hopefully not. <laughs> Perhaps not. Maybe. Hopefully not. <laughs> so let's get into it. Um, I know we're going to, you know, ask each other questions, but I want to ask you guys a question. Um, how did this partnership come together? You guys obviously, you know, played in the league, and that's a brotherhood. But now you have a different brotherhood in business, and then you know, new age media communication. So how did this partnership come together with you guys? Well, I mean, he's he's a great storyteller um, in terms of like how we actually met. And so um, I'll do Tarantino style. I'll go later and then he'll go back in time. But essentially, you know, with the media part, you know, we we have such um, similar, you know, um, viewpoints of the world and the things we see. But I think we speak to it differently. Um, and I think it's it's communicated to the masses. You know, I have, you know, uh, the folks that I can speak to, and then he has the folks that he can speak to, and we feel like we can cover um, a lot of ground. Um, but what we were seeing is just only your own IP and understanding the, the power behind it. You know, uh, growing up, I think all we had was Bob Johnson mm -hmm. and BET. And there's been a lot of conversation behind that in terms of, you know, Jay-Z's doing it now. You know, we're building up our own properties. Um, you know, we were talking about Rihanna and Fenty outside. 
Uh, we talking about a lot of NBA athletes with um, underwear lines. Um, we talking about the skims deal with the NBA. And I've, I've had a lot of conversation. We can talk about this later in terms of what do we do with those properties once we build them up? Because there's a lot of um, the feedback can be negative sometimes if we sell it. But then I also heard, well, isn't that the purpose to IPO? And I think you've done an incredible job of enlightening your listeners, which is our community, in terms of participating in public companies. And so, yes, we should go out and reap the fruits of our labor in terms of what we're building. But when we do go public, like our people can participate and that's how you sell it. You know, and so there's not that negative connotation from behind it coming from that. And so uh, with, with us, too, we have conversations like this all the time. And, and that's why we chose to go out. And as you know, I have uh, a deal with ESPN and ET's had deals that he's done in the media space. Um, and so we can use those platforms to, to leverage to raise our profile. But then we have our own prop- property that we can go out and, and we can try to scale and, and go deeper into our conversations and to our listeners and kind of give them some uh, insights on, on our minds and, and how we got to where we are having success, not just on the court, but off the court. And just to go uh, further into that, you know, myself and Dre, we met like back in 09. So he was in a league. I was getting ready to uh, go into my last year of college and join a league. So uh, when I walked in a, into the gym at uh, in Chicago, we were able to, you know, join, a, make a friendship. A year later, I get drafted to the Sixers. I was his rookie. And, uh, you know, he was a vet to me. So we kind of had our ups and downs as a uh, being nice. <laughs> very, very kind as of a you. vet rookie. And, you know, uh, our first five or six months was kind of rocky, but eventually we realized we were kind of, uh, the same individual, the same mindset. And, uh, I think that's where the friendship grew. So once he left Philly and, uh, we went through our career, we stayed connected and stayed locked. And over time I got offers for different, uh, media outlets and different shows, but I really just took my time to really, uh, try to formulate it and make it the most organic. And uh, I think the number one thing is trying to find people who you relate to and most importantly, who support you. And uh, that's how Point Forward started. And, uh, you know, just for myself, after being in Philly, such a tough uh, media market, one thing that I I really put priority on is uh, getting my own story out there and telling my own narrative and, uh, you know, telling the narrative from the athlete that someone gets mixed up. Some of the best people I ever met were in the NBA, and some of the smartest people I ever met were in the NBA. And uh, to reach that feat is no small task. And I think to uh, tell that story from a uh, you know uh, a you know super you know super accomplished individual like Dre, or you know seeing things like myself really uh, you know open up the market and spread the narrative for uh, what athletes can be. And you know three years ago when we started. It was a small conversation to the point now we're meeting with billionaires and some of the top people and, uh, you know, breaking a ward and talking to, you know, the future mind. So it's been a, a cool thing and it's been fun. That's pretty dope. I've always wanted this because where you land in the league is important. Obviously, you guys start in Philly, but branding is something that has shifted a little bit, right? When you came in the league out of Arizona, you out of Ohio State. There wasn't a focus on making the individual the person, like the star, right? Like we had a few stars and brands got behind it, but everybody didn't have their own individual situation. So I wonder where did that shift for you guys, right? Was it the move to, to Golden State where now you're in an area, Silicon Valley particular, 
where the conversation outside of basketball is happening and you're, you're privy to it and now starting to take that information and applying it. And did that relationship with him continue right now? You're learning things, but you're not on the same team. Hey, let me put you up on some game. No, no, for sure. It's interesting. Now these, they think they're too young putting their brands together. I think you need to show your excellence on the court first. And that's where you really establish yourself. I think is the inverse effect has happened where you got a kid with a brand. And I'm like, well, wait, why do you have a brand? Oh, you play basketball. <laughs> as opposed to he's one of the, the best at what he does. And I think as we technology's gotten better um, and with making sports more valuable is you can get closer to the athlete than ever. And that actual individual athlete is B2C where I can actually touch my fans. Like I can get close to them. Like they can see me. And before it was only your superstars. We call them your signature guys who had their own shoes. Well, now we were just talking about a guy in the back who's at the all white party, but he's making his presence felt and people identify him. Although he may not be a, you know, a um, household name. And so even if you're the ninth man on the team, you still can have a brand. But you can make yourself the best ninth man in the NBA. Like, make your presence on the court first. And I think that's where it's changed as time has gone on. And um, I had the, I was fortunate enough to have the same agent as Kobe Bryant. So I was able to see how Kobe was moving. And so that's what led me to understand, like, all right, I got to do it on the court first, do it on the court first. But now these kids are getting smarter. It's just they have to make sure they take care of, you know, what they have going on on the court. And going to the Bay was amazing. Um, but my, my business partner, Rudy, who's in here right now, we were talking about Silicon Valley years before I got there. Just didn't know that I would be there. But when the opportunity came, that was a part of the strategy. When I got into free agency, uh, the Warriors didn't have cap space. And I actually had a meeting with them. And I'll never forget um, I had a meeting with New Orleans. Sacramento offered me an amazing deal. It was damn near double the deal I took. Like, it was a lot. But I had to sign it within like five minutes. And he was like, the owner was like, Andre, you're the future. You're, you're, you're Kings 2.0. Incredible. And I still have a great relationship with him. Because the vision that I took to the Warriors, he actually wanted me to bring that vision to the Kings. He actually saw it. And and I've never spoken that. And, and he deserves a lot of credit. He saw that. Like, listen, you're the blueprint for what the NBA player should be in terms of your business. Because he came from the Warriors. So he saw it. But he didn't know I had a meeting with the Warriors because the Warriors had no cap space. But I actually set up a meeting with the Warriors. They were like the fourth team I met with that day. And it was Mark Jackson. It was Joe Lakeup. And they had two execs in there. And they said, Andre, we appreciate you inviting us in, you know, just kind of know why you wanted us to come in, knowing that we don't have cap space. And then I just broke down why I wanted to play for them. Like, hey, like, I see it in Steph Curry. I just lost, we just lost to them. Like, Steph wasn't Steph, but I see it. And you got this kid I had to guard named Clay Thompson. I never heard of this kid, but this kid can shoot it like none other. I didn't tell them that I had been following Silicon Valley, but I said there's some business things that I'm trying to figure out. It was in the back of my mind. And they were like, well, we appreciate it. And we appreciate how you feel about our organization, but and there's nothing we can do. But my agent and their GM who was there, Bob Myers, they used to work together. 
at the same agency. Dwight Howard was stalling one weekend. I was going to sign with the Dallas Mavericks on like a Friday. And Mark Cuban is, is called and said, well, Dwight Howard pushed back his decision to Monday. So you got to wait. My agent and the Warriors GM figured out like a trade situation. Like Richard Jefferson would go here. Two other players go here. Opens up cap space. We can get it done. And then sometimes it's like, you know, why do you believe in higher power? Like some things just work out for the reasons they're supposed to work out. And boom, it, it worked out cr crazy. And then, you know, the rest is history. No, you never know. You never know. Lead with intent. <laughs> so I want to fast forward it a little bit. And Dre, I know, obviously, we'll talk about your role with the NBA, but NBA PA. But I, I, I'm interested to know your idea and what the vision is for NBA basketball on the continent of Africa. Yeah, well, it's some interesting developments have happened there recently. I know the head of uh, NBA Africa um, just stepped down. And so, you know, Africa is one of those. I have to speak different now with the role I have. <laughs> uh, E.T. has, Evan has, you know, allowed me the ability to really express myself. And he hates it when I'm, I'm PC. <laughs> um, but I think he's he's starting to understand, you know, the power of the voice, you know, um, and that's why I, I love him next to me because he can just speak. Um, but Africa, historically, not like the last 10, 20 years, I'm talking about history of humanity um, in terms of they have what, 70, 80 percent of the world's resources. And then how it's been taken advantage of, the human capital, how that's been taken advantage of. Um, you know, I was just listening to a speech not too long ago, like how old is Nigeria in terms of the actual nation? In the 60s? Yeah, I think it's like 70s 70s, now, right? Yeah, still so a relatively young country, yeah. Very, very, very young. Naja boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Naja boys are here. Yes. Jollof rice for lunch. And yes, my father is Nigerian, Benin City, uh, Ado. And Africa is one of the few, it's a continent broken up, but it's really, a, we look at it as a country, us as African Americans. Like, I think of Africa, I don't think of it as countries, I think of it as a bunch of states, but it should be a country. And you know, we're going to talk about group economics. Imagine if Africa had one currency mm -hmm. but now I'm, I, I can get in trouble if I say that <laughs> but just understanding that you know the complexities of Africa even Nigeria 270 million people um, the oil comes from there you know I, I had a great understanding of Nigeria when I went 2019 and the oil that comes from Africa but they have no refineries and so they they export their oil and then they buy back gas because they don't have refineries but they can build the infrastructure with their wealth but that let me that let me know everything i needed to know in terms of oh i know exactly what's going on and so with nba africa uh, we're seeing a lot of talent come from africa you know pascal siakam uh Giannis is nigerian joel joel mb you know we got mvps now and the interesting thing is, um, they probably maybe might get mad at me, but there's NBA Africa, there's NBA China, right? Yeah. Um, 
But the players, we only participate in the revenue from NBA America. And so there's, there's some things that need to be worked on um, from that perspective. But that's something that's like near and dear to me. So my eyes are constantly on it. I sat on the board of a publicly traded company um, that was based in uh, Africa. And we had talks in terms of like sponsoring the uh, NBA Africa team. And so my, and then a lot of players are involved. Um, Luau Dang, close friend of mine, uh, not close enough. But I look up to him in terms of like what he's been able to build, the portfolio's been able to build, um, what he's done with, uh, what team did he have? They made the Olympics. Sudan. Yeah, Sudan. Sudan. I think it's South, yeah. South Sudan. Yeah. Man, Royal like, Ivy. We had Royal Ivy, who was my teammate here. Uh, he was the head coach. Um, he's doing some amazing things. Um, basketball beyond, uh, without borders. Yeah. We have a lot of players that participated in that as kids in the NBA. And so we're seeing, you know, we talk about building pipelines, right? We're talking about giving out jobs and, you know, just controlling or not controlling, but raising your talent. And so it's, it's, it's on my, it's on my radar. Um, and we've been having a lot of conversations in terms of like, how do you own a part of the business that you, you, you know, you're, you, you are the reason why the business exists and athletes have never been able to participate in, you know, uh, the value increase of NBA teams. You talk about, uh, ghost or phantom shares. I've had some interesting conversations about that. Um, I like y'all. Y'all making me reveal a whole lot. <laughs> but seriously, you guys talk about brands. And you talk about Andre or even, you know, a brand I was able to have from the NBA. How did you guys organically start your brand to, you know, now you have, you know, festivals and people following you all over the 1. world? 1.4 million subscribers. Yeah. I mean, that's actually crazy. Y'all got out she the basement. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, the origin story really is formatted in, in purpose, to be honest with you. Um, his career was as a financial advisor. I was a teacher. Um, we had an opportunity. You know, every summer I took kids uh, from my neighborhood, and they were part of this program. Where we would teach them about the things that they missed in the 10 months of school, right? So everybody goes to school, and they're like, I don't remember anything. I didn't learn anything. You ask your kid, what did you learn today? Nothing. Right. <laughs> and so it was like, all right, I, I felt very complicit in that. If kids are going to school, I'm a teacher. They're learning nothing. I'm not doing my job, but I'm getting paid. And so there was an opportunity here. Like we can educate kids about financial literacy, about college, about decisions that they were going to make around money at 14 with the hopes that if they got it at 14, they would be more advanced by 19, 20, 25. Um, and so financial literacy was at the, the, the cusp of that. It was like, all right, bet. We're going to pay these kids to be in the program. Let's teach them about money. He had just started his career in advising. I'm like, this is perfect. You can come in. And so we started co-teaching that. Like, I learned about finance from him. He learned how to have classroom management for me, create lesson plans. And so we did that. In my mind, the vision was I need to have this program throughout New York first, right? Because parents would see it. They're like, this is incredible. How do I scale this? I'm like, I can't figure it out. can't figure it out. He was always into social media. He was like, this is how we do it. So he had our, our COO was up there right now, Abdullah. He said, hey, look, <laughs> shout out to Ab. Right. He was like, look, I want you to record the classrooms. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm still trying to figure out how to scale this like physically. He was like, just keep recording the classroom. And he was huge on content, putting it up. Uh, and that led to him creating his, his own platform, right? He wanted to, to teach people about finance in a different way, right? Sometimes when we think about finance, it's a foreign language. 
right? And we were coming to like Rosetta Stone. <laughs> we were coming like, let's break the monotony of this stush feeling when it came to financial education. Let's talk it in our language. And so he was doing that for multiple people who had his own public access show. Um, I'll let him tell his story. And then people like, wait, where's the rest of that? We need more of that. Where's the episode? And one day we was just like, look, want to do a show? Let's do this podcast. I sat, we sat in our basement, my basement. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And that's how Earn Your Leisure was birthed, really. We came up with the name pretty quickly. He was already using it as a hashtag. And from there, it was consistent. We was like, all right, well, here's the vision. These are the 10 things we need to do. Here are 10 people we want to interview. Let's just go attack it. And really, it started with three iPhones and that idea. And it branded into what you see now. Yeah, I think it's... I don't want to cut you off. I just want you to... Can you explain to me what you took from the public access and like just explain to me how that works within your story and then how you knew how to maneuver into, you know, subscribers streaming and all that and the difference in the, the revenue streams and like how much is valued at. Yeah. I never went to business school, but I was always interested in business my whole life. So I was studying like real world case studies. So in 2012, Instagram was like fairly new. And, uh, you know, I got introduced to it and like everybody else, I was on the app all the time. And when I'm first on Instagram, I'm just thinking like, this is a cool app. You get to share photos at the time. It was no videos. And at that time, it was just for iPhone users. But I quickly realized something in this situation. So I used to follow this fashion blog and the fashion blog had like a million followers at that time. And at that time, if you had a million followers, you could reach a million people. And what I realized was that what she was doing, the girl that actually was running the fashion vlog, was that she would post like lookbooks on like, you know, this actress wore this and this singer wore this. But in between the looks, she would do like organic ads. So it'd be like a small boutique in Philly that had a blazer. And you didn't really know it was an ad unless she was actually really studying it. So right then, I'm like, this is crazy. Because how I was looking at it was like, okay, how many people subscribe to New York Times? Probably a million people in circulation from New York Times every single day. And how much money does it cost to run an ad in the New York Times? $50,000. How much money does it cost to run an ad on NBC, ABC? Millions of dollars, right? But I'm thinking, I didn't know, but I'm thinking to myself that they're probably paying her $500 or $1,000 but they can reach just as many people as all of these traditional outlets. So then that's when I was like, okay, advertising is going to change. This is the new wave. So I actually had a meeting with him and I was explaining this to him. And I was like, we need to start a fashion blog. And we did. We started a fashion blog. It was called fashion wave. And we actually got it to like 12,000 followers, but that was the original point was like social media, is something that's going to take over the world. Most people have no idea how they're actually using it. They're just using it as consumers. But there's a business behind this. This is before influencer was even a word. This is before you had to put ad. You could just organically do it. That didn't work out, but the idea was still there. So the next idea was I was a financial advisor at the time. So I wanted to become a celebrity financial advisor. That was my original goal. I wanted to work with athletes, entertainers, because I felt like I played basketball my whole entire life. And I was looking at the people that was representing athletes. And I'm like, I know that they don't, they're not from the culture. 
they don't they're not listening to the music i know the music i'm listening to it i why should they get to work with these people i know i'm more qualified because i can actually sit down and have a conversation but i didn't know anybody i had no inroads i had no advanced degree and i didn't really have a way to actually get my way into the door so the idea was to become a famous celebrity financial advisor because I was looking at the landscape and I'm like, okay, social media has provided a platform for anybody to become a celebrity, a celebrity chef, a celebrity trainer. Previously, you could only become a celebrity if you was an athlete or an entertainer, but now you could be a celebrity anything. I'm like, well, you may be, be able to be a celebrity financial advisor, right? First of its kind. Just, anything is possible, right? <laughs> anything. Anything, is, anything possible. is possible, bro. Just maybe. So that's when all of the content comes into play, right? Where it's record everything. I'm mad we're not recording this, but that's the number one rule in life is to record everything because you never know. So we record. We are recording. So we recording this, but you got to get. You got to get the organic. You got organic. Cell phone footage algorithm breaker. So now it's like, okay, record the classroom, record selfie videos, record everything to your question about the public access show. The number one rule in life is to cultivate relationships. There's a lot of number one rules in life, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Just so y'all know. Yes. Yes. Three more coming. So you got to cultivate, you got to cultivate. Yes. You got to cultivate relationships. So I was like, okay, at that time I wanted to get in. Ernest, what's up? You ever wonder what's around the next corner? What happens if you push just a little further? With Nissan SUVs, you're equipped to take your adventure to unimagined levels. Imagine the possibilities with a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada. Go ahead, find your next big adventure. And while you're out there exploring the unknown, the class-exclusive Google built-in becomes your ultimate co-pilot. No need to fumble with your phone. With Google Assistant, Google Maps, and the Google Play Store integrated into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue, your journey becomes seamless. Ask for directions, stream your adventure playlist, or send messages hands-free, all while keeping your focus on the adventure ahead. This just isn't any drive. It's a journey powered by innovation, where the road less travel isn't just seen, it's experience. The 2024 Nissan Line aren't just SUVs. They're your gateway to adventure, equipped with the tools you need to explore every corner of the world around you. Nissan, dare to do what others don't. Visit your local Nissan dealer or NissanUSA.com to find out more and take the first step into your next adventure today. In front of all like the top real estate developers and and entrepreneurs and architects, these are people that have made a lot of money and successful, but nobody knows them. And what I realized is that the number one rule in life is that everybody wants to talk about themselves, right? So I'm like, okay, if I could provide a platform for somebody to talk about themselves, then now that's actually a way for me to build a relationship. So I get offered a public access show. I never looked at it as a public access show. I looked at it as a TV show. And that's how I pitched it. I would go to somebody and be like, you know, I have a TV show. Do you want to be? Nobody's going to turn down being on a TV show, especially if they've never been on TV. (laughs) So... What that actually did was help me to sharpen my communication skills and learn how to actually interview people, right? So all of this is happening at the same time. 
we have a relationship from growing up together and working in the classroom as he just described. And my social media following is building at the time. So when we start Earn Your Leisure, the show, um, now we have a, a lot of things working for us, right? So when we hit this, the ground, it's like an explosion because we was able to actually provide information in a very relatable manner. So we're kind of like the ladder to the clouds. I think a lot of times in our community, there have been a small pocket of black intellectuals, but they have not been able to fully communicate or relate to the vast majority of black people on the ground. So now you have a disconnect. The intellectuals feel like they're better than the masses. The masses feel like the intellectuals are bourgeois and they just like disregard them, right? Like, so I'm like, well, there's value in, in both places. We need each other, right? So it's like, okay, we have an interesting background where we're able to communicate to everybody. We can be in an Ivy League school or we can be in a penitentiary communicating to people. And we have been in both places communicating with people and educating people. So when we were able to provide the education, it was done in a very non-traditional manner when it comes to business. So the way that we dressed, we had hoodies and t-shirts. The way that we talked, we was using hip hop references. But we're breaking down case studies and we're actually talking about very high level business, right? And everybody wants to make money. So what happens is that it's just perfect timing. It hits social media and then it just explodes on social media my original thesis on social media actually turned out to be right. Like I said, we just had to wait some time and we switched lanes a little bit, but the idea of it came to fruition. And then there's opportunities in every crisis. So when the pandemic happened, everything shut down and everybody was scared. And a lot of people, you know, unfortunately lost their jobs and some people passed away as well, but then some people benefited we were on the side of the people that actually benefited because when everybody was home, they had nothing to do. So then they start watching us. And then we develop a show called Market Mondays where we're actually teaching people about stocks, investing. Then something that happened in our favor was that everybody got a stimulus check. Then something that happened in our favor is that the stock market started to skyrocket. So now people are making money in real time from our information. And then it becomes like a cult following. Now everybody's passing it along and they're telling their friend and telling their cousins. And before you know it, we're at like a million people that's watching us. Right. So this is all part of the Earn Your Leisure story, how we was able to grow organically. But it's a mix of, I think, having a unique product, mixing it with the right time and maximizing the moment. We're in a moment right now where traditionally media, if we were to try to start a show 15, 20 years ago, we would have to go to Bloomberg, CNBC, ABC, and we would have to compromise who we are. We would have to like shave our face and we would have to talk in a, in a language that we didn't fully even feel comfortable talking in. We would have to wear a suit. We would have to be under the umbrella of them. We couldn't own our own show. It'd be impossible. But now the cell phone has empowered the creatives and independence. And now we're able to break through without having to go through the actual gatekeepers or the larger institutions. But what has propelled us to even a higher level is there's a middle ground that can be reached where now independence is at an all time high and we have the leverage. 
but it's only so far you can go as an independent from just exposure resources. There's still some level of benefit from corporate, but now we can work with corporate from a relationship standpoint, as opposed to them owning everything standpoint, because we have leverage. So now we've been able to leverage with a lot of different corporate relationships, which have helped us expand our reach globally and expanded our reach and accelerated the growth in a, in a much quicker manner. So this is an interesting time for creatives because now you can grow your following, whatever you're doing, use that leverage to work with corporate, but maintain ownership maintain independence and have real leverage and real partnership as opposed to being an employee. And that's something that has accelerated our growth as well. So that's a very long winded answer to your question, but I think that it might be beneficial for anybody that's interested in new age business and media. It's crazy. Cause as he's talking and I was listening to you, Dre, when you were talking about Nigeria, when we talk about how we creatively are reaching people, it made me think about the first time, like what you were speaking about was illegal Dangote, right? He has the opportunity to change the export import ratio from Nigeria. And so I'm thinking like, how do I teach kids about that? How do I walk in the classroom and tell them like, they should know this person. And so our way was hip hop, right? My, the first lesson was I took Jay-Z's line. I said, all blacks got is sports and entertainment until we even. And I showed them six people from the world of sports and entertainment. They knew every one of them, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Floyd Mayweather, Dr. Dre, uh, and Oprah, they knew them all, right? And Jordan. And then I gave them another sheet with the six wealthiest people, black people on the planet, and they knew none. I said, damn, Jay kind of prophesized this, right? He really showed us like all we had until we even, because we've never recognized anything outside that world until I get to teach him about the wealthiest guy on the planet who was Aliko Dan Gotti. And now this is the crossroads. And so now that group of kids never gets to say they don't know who that guy is. And guess what? He didn't do it because he dribbled. He didn't do it because he could throw a football or he can spit around. He did it from natural resources. He did it from oil. Like He did it from cement. These are all different things. So now that kid or those kids that are now hearing it know that there's value in other things than the traditional things that have been fed to us through the TV, right? We have to be entertainer. We have to be, there's no, value in the guy who's going to be the doctor in the neighborhood. There's no value to the person who's going to be the teacher or who's going to be the chemist or who's going to be the next person to venture capital. Those people weren't celebrated until this moment in time. And so that was kind of the thing was like, all right, this is how we now can creatively reach people, use social media, use hip hop, merge it all together and deliver it to the people. How long did that breakthrough take? Because when you sit there, we talked about just recently, you know, to be more than an athlete was a thing that just popped up like five or six years ago. And then a lot of times when you're coming down and talking about sports and entertainment and what young individuals typically want to be, they necessarily don't want to hear all the rah-rah, like, educational stuff. And um, how did you guys keep your confidence up? We always have a saying, don't, you know, diss the caterpillar and then jot the butterfly. Mm-hmm. So, like, it couldn't have been that easy going in and, you know, continuing to build step by step. So how did you guys keep that momentum up in the, the face? Did you ever get discouraged? Well, I think that um, when losing is not an option, then you really have no choice but to win. So it's a few ways how you look at the time frame. You can look at it from when we started social media. That's a relatively short period in the grand scheme of things of success. Like we kind of, it just kind of went up. But then you look at it from like your whole entire life takes you to the moment that you're at. And that's a very long journey, right? So it's like he was a teacher 
And he was preparing for that moment without knowing it. I was a financial advisor and I was preparing for that moment without knowing it. Right. So I feel that um, you have to fully believe in what you're doing to not even thinking of not even you can't really even think about it not working. It's, it's only a matter of how do I get it to work? Yeah. So like for me, my personal journey, I never really had a job before ever. So I went to school and then I became a financial advisor. It's a commission based situation. So anybody can get hired. It wasn't, I wasn't working on Wall Street. I was working for an insurance company. It's not too difficult to get hired in that situation. I'm just being honest. Um, but it's also extremely difficult to be successful in it. That's why it's not difficult to get hired. Like 90, 90% of people is not going to be successful. That's 22. But. <laughs> You know, it was extremely, it's an extremely difficult type of job, especially at 24 years old to try to convince people that they, you know, need life insurance and IRAs and stuff like that. But my alternative, like I said, I didn't have an advanced degree. I went to a state school. My alternative was to actually get a job. And I, that wasn't going to happen. So I really had no choice but to make it happen. So I think, you know, and when you, when you use that type of framework, then you really don't think about like tough times. Or like, because at the end of the day, what is a tough time? We really never really had anything anyway. So that's something that we already used to. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like it can't really get too much worse. You only really have a, you really, you really have nothing to lose when you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Right. Like when you become a millionaire, now you start to think like, damn, I can really screw this up and I'm back to zero. But I mean, if you have $5,000 in your bank account, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, you're closer to zero. Yeah, yeah. That's real. That's real. Yeah. I mean, we're, and that's the reality. Like, we grow up, we're so close to zero. So what is the risk? Right. But I thought he was going to answer this a whole different way. I was going to like, look, because the thing about it, I've known him since he was probably 11 years old. He's known me vice versa. There was never a time where our confidence ever wavered in ourselves. What we were going to do is we would figure that out, but we were always confident in what we, what we were going to be. Like, I knew he was going to be successful, probably vice versa. Um, and our community knew that too, because we were rooted in the community. But what, what happened over time was that we realized the representation and showing up as your authentic self was the key, right? So most people, when I worked, they were like, well, you're the gym teacher. I'm like, yeah, I'm the physical educator, but there's other things I do too. But people will only judge you from where you, they see you at, right? So, like, even now, if I go back to the school, they always ask me if I'm coming back. I'm like, well, about that, right? But they only they only could see me as that. Um, but there was so much more to it. So when we, we started to grow as a company, it was like, all right, don't change who you are, right? When I was standing in front of the kids in the Bronx, I had the freshest Jordans on. Right. I had G-Shock watches. I had a BMW because I knew one day a kid was going to look at Mr. Millers and say, I want to be him. Like a lot of kids are going to grow up saying they want to be you. But I was like, I want kids to grow up and say they, they could be me because the chances that they could be me this is a 100 percent chance. Right. Right. Like making it to the NBA is one in a million. Right. But being somebody that is productive in their community, somebody that's giving back, somebody that's educating that community, they could do that. So if I could show them, I could have the nice car that you guys have. I could have some of the watches and some of the kicks, and that's where it stops. Um, <laughs> I'm making it very. That's where it stops. Hey, you might get luckier. You never know. You never. That's where it stops. Dubai. I've never been in but, Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> but like now, so that's the thing. Now they see. That's my teacher, right? He was my teacher, and he. I know him. Right. He's in Dubai. He just sat with Steve Harvey. He's here with Andre Iguodala. Like right now, he's speaking at Wharton. 
yo, he used to teach me how to catch a football. Like anything is possible, but the representation was there. So when you see us show up in a hoodie and, and we have on fresh kicks and, you know, we do travel and we like to wear nice clothes, that's all part of the presentation because that's authentically who we were prior to all of this. All we get to do now is show up as we are and people are receptive to, receptive to it because it's like, wait, these guys is real. They're the real deal. This is real. This is really who they are every day. And that's the easiest part. We get to show up as ourselves every single day. Now I got a question to that for all three of you because this is you know i have battles with this sometimes where and i had a teammate uh, his name was andrew bogut and he and i have gotten really close and i learned this from my mother you know i, I did i wrote a book the sixth man and uh go buy it if you haven't read it on amazon right now <laughs> i wasn't I, I never planned on saying that to be honest but my mother taught me at a young age i had a story in there where my mother had two voices, and I said this to her one time. She looked at me crazy. I was like, Mom, when you have on makeup, you're nice. <laughs> and when you don't have your makeup, I think I'm going to get a whooping at any given moment. My mom was six foot tall, so I was, I was scared of her until I was like 15, like frightened. And she had two voices, though. You know, she had the voice at home, and then we went out to work. She had the other voice. And I think as African Americans, we all have that. You, you got to switch it up. And so the code switching, thank you. And so Andrew Bogut was, he said to me, he's like, Andrew, why, why do you talk different to like the, your black teammates? And then you talk different when you're talking to like, you know, white people. And I couldn't, I couldn't quite explain it to him, but I was trying to explain to him, like my mother, when we went to go, she was on the phone. I, heard, I remember the phone conversation talking to this guy about a house rental. We used to rent this small two bedroom apartment. Like I went in there like uh, maybe 10 years ago. And like, I'm like in there like this and I'm looking, I'm like, how did my brother and I, how do we live in this space together? You know, he's the same height as me. And the guys approved the rental. Like, yes, it's available to you. She took my brother and myself with her to see this, to get the house. And so we pulled up, knock on the door. He answers the door. He's like, can I help you? She was like, yes, I'm the lady you spoke to on the phone, but her voice, he, he couldn't, he couldn't tell what it was. The house is not available. So from that moment, like, like I understood like how the world works. Like, whoa. And I'm like nine, nine years old. Like who understands that at nine years old? And like, it's just like what you're saying. It's like, how low can you go when you, I mean, what can you lose when you don't have anything to lose? And so that leads me to now. I still have to maneuver how I speak. I have to be PC, more PC in some places. You know, I can turn it down to other places. Even when we speak, you know, he's always saying, I want to see that Springfield in you. But for three of you, you know, this is my question. You know, the higher you keep moving up, you're going to open doors that, you know, you've never been in before or doors we've never been in before. Like I'm thinking, you know, we're seeing entertainers into these billionaire realms and they have to maneuver different. You know, we're in this room like we don't have a the black Elon Musk, whatever you want to call it, or the Zuckerberg. Like when are we going to have our own tech companies that are, you know, trillion dollar market caps, but we're inching closer. And so as you move up, you say you want to stay yourself. Like we always want to stay ourselves, but are you thinking about how you plan on maneuvering once you get into certain places and like, what's your thoughts on it? I think the only thing I can change is like, I, I probably curse less in certain places, <laughs> and, and but that's just the truth. But like anything else, cause you know, sometimes you might walk in the rooms and you might be like, man, am I, am I sure I'm supposed to be here? And one thing I always say is like, I've been told is look for the signs. And when you talk to other people, 
shout out to everybody. You guys are very talented, accomplished people, and so am I. And like when you talk to other people, you see the confidence that individuals have and sit in front of you having all the things they can do. And it's like, okay, you guys are able to do that. You're able to do, like you said, what I was able to do is one in a million. And, you know, you can be a teacher and be a lot of different things. And it's like I try to find, you know, the one little, you know, spec that I can take to really build from. So when I sit there and I see, you know, great people speak with confidence, I'm like, well, I came from a situation of, you know, poverty where, you know, single parent wasn't supposed to make it out, wasn't supposed to be in this situation. I was able to do it with, you know, a tenth of a chance. So every time I look there, I'm like, all right, if these people can do it, I can leave here and do it because I've done some amazing stuff that most people can't can't even fathom. We talk about a lot of situations, even just with career, like mistakes. It's like you worry about how people judge you, but a lot of people stopped their mission a long, long time ago and just went to the sideline and started pointing like, yo, that, that ain't him. And it's like, no, I'm your superior. I'm him. Worry about yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then from there, I move on and just keep going. But, you know, I got to keep it. Dre does a great job of uh, smoothing it out. But my mission, my, my delivery can be a little bit more aggressive. But uh, I definitely earn, earn the right to know I'm in that room and gain confidence from comp- comprehending that if you can do great things, I can do great things. And, and I take it from there. Yeah, I think you're spot on with, with the confidence. And, Dre, with that story you told about your mother, it hit me dead in the heart because I remember – Calling my dad at work. My parents are from Jamaica. Straw. Yeah, shot. <laughs> okay. Now that we said that, now that's out the way. So I would call him, and you know that he has a he has a heavy patois dialect, um, but that's changed over the years. When I would call him, he worked in Manhattan at corporate, and I told the story. I really never know what he did, but I would call him, and he would answer it. And my brothers used to laugh. I'll do it for y'all. He'd be like, "Hello." <laughs> and I'd be like, that is, it's me. <laughs> and, he, you know, he would talk to me in his regular voice. And when I would call my mom, she couldn't. She never did it. But it used to irk me then, but it irks me even more so now. So, like, somebody calls the house, he'll do that. And um, it's because I'm fighting for him to never have to do it. Right? And so when we show up in these rooms, I show up exactly who I am right now. Right, the, the the guy who used to stand in front of the the, the the classroom who couldn't curse, right, is the same guy that's going to sit on CNBC or Good Morning America or Bloomberg. Same guy that goes to the Breakfast Club with Joe Button. I'm able to change the conversation. The conversations change, the information changes, but the person never changes. And so we're comfortable in the barbershop, or we're co- comfortable right here in the business school because we trust and we're confident in what we know. And that's the most important thing. I think a lot of times people feel intimidated because they don't know what they're talking about, right? And so that's our thing is like, I'm a constant learner. So every day, like I told you, I just read the Wall Street Journal before I got here. Let's have a conversation, right? I'm going to be part of the conversation because it's my, I make it my point to. I don't ever want to walk into a room where I'm going to feel like I don't, I don't feel confident, right? We sat down in some prestigious rooms over the past month and it was like, I feel like, yeah, we're supposed to, we, we've earned every aspect of respect and determination and dedication to be in these rooms. So it's, it starts with the confidence, but it also goes into that part of having the education and feeling like, you know what, I belong. I want to answer this. I'll try to speed it up, but um, two parts. So I never really had to worry about coastal. I grew up radical, so and I never had a job. So I never really had to worry about code switching. What? 
Um, <laughs> hey, Tommy, yeah. he really Tommy. Because <laughs> um, you only code switch when you're not in a position of power. Elon Musk can curse on TV, and it's okay. Um, that's a fact. So, but the th they got finger snaps on that joint. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Hell of Renaissance. In but um, what what I did realize when so I, when I was working as a financial advisor in my office, um, you know, everybody in my office was pretty much older white man. And in the beginning part of like the training, they will make you watch videos of yourself. Like we have like a practice sale, and I'm and I never really realized that I actually had a New York accent until I actually watched myself speak. And then um then I started to realize it. And I kind of became a little self-conscious of how I spoke because I know that I didn't have the best, the best diction. I know that, you know, I had a, an accent and I didn't sound like anybody else in, in the office. But I realized that what I thought might have been a disadvantage was actually a superpower. And that's actually helped us is that there's millions of people that actually talk like I talk and relate to how I like communicate as opposed to how somebody else communicates. Those people were left out of the conversation for a long period of time. So never run away from who you are, embrace who you are, because that's actually a superpower. Um, now you do have to be intelligent. And it is important to have a strong mastery of the language that you speak. So, you know, it's like you don't wear a jumpsuit to a wedding. It's just common sense. So how you communicate in, in a barbershop might not be how you communicate. <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> He's talking about the Batman suit that Jaden wore. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's just a matter of just knowing how to communicate properly, not necessarily code switching. I, I don't like code switching. I'm, I'm not, I'll never code switch. Um, but Steve Stouts told us something that was extremely important. I think that this has been the key to earn your leisure success. It's the thinnest slice strategy. When you're black, you have to deal with a variety of different things that other people don't have to deal with or don't worry about. So for us, we walk a very thin line. Because most people that are on TV that are communicating finances that are black are, they're not relatable to the majority of black people, right? How they talk, how they look, whatever. Um, and then there's a variety of different people in our culture of hip hop that aren't taken serious in the business world, right? So we have to are, be articulate enough to be respected at the highest levels of finance to be here, right? But we also have to be edgy enough to still be likable, appealable, and relatable to the masses. That's extremely difficult. Very few people have been able to pull that one off. And that's something that we do. This is just a blessing that we've been blessed with. But this is something that when you're thinking about, you know, your pathway forward, it's important. Because a lot of times when we get isolated in circles that we're in, but we can never forget about the overarching theme of, of black people. And no matter how good we're doing individually, nobody's successful if the vast majority of people are unsuccessful. And the vast majority of people are struggling. So it's important to keep relatability. It's important to be able to communicate to the masses while still having your integrity and being able to move up the ladder. Like I said, Elon Musk doesn't have to worry about that. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have to worry about that. They can just communicate and they just live freely. They don't have to worry about street credibility. <laughs> they don't have to, but we do, right? So 
this is a, a very interesting conversation that you just brought up, but I just feel like, you know, in, in the world of media and communications and just everything, um, it's important that people have other people to look up to. That's why every kid wants to be a rapper and an entertainer because those are jobs that they see as attainable because the architect, the doctor, they're not visible. They haven't made themselves visible a lot of times and they're so far unrelatable that nobody's even going to try to be that. Right. So if we have to a make ourselves more visible and we have to a make ourselves more relatable as well, that way we can inspire more people, more kids to want to be more than just what they see on television. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right. We're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.